Hi again, everybody. This is the Big Idea, Big Moves podcast. This is the destination for high performers where we take people who are making big moves in their niches, in their fields, um, and brings for some of their kind of expertise and skills um, that you can translate into your lives, whether it's your professional lives or whether it's your personal lives. And we've had some really great guests in the past. Today's guest, we're going to have uh, uh, something very similar. And actually, I think considering some of the, the stuff that we're going through right now will be even more important. So we're going to talk talk a bit about um, helping navigate change and, and uh, helping leaders do that with their employees as well. So something really, really important right now. Um, along with that, one of the things that uh, everybody knows is there are a lot of people going through a lot of different uh, changes right now. Um, and uh, we have uh, a couple of things to, to help out with that. I just wanted to flag at the front. Um, at the start of the year, we had a um, kind of a, a big move plan, it's called, but it's basically to help people think through the thinking process around um, if you're going to maybe possibly change a job or just you have different things that you have as goals in the back half of the year. Um, so the form is there. Um, just go on to www.bigideabigmoves.com and uh, it's free. Take a look at it. It should be able to help you. There are lots of people that are kind of reevaluating what they want to do for the second half of this year. So, so take advantage of that. Um, we also have Epitome HR. One of our supporters is also, they have on our website um, a link where um, they're going to be sending out information to help people with um, being able to get back to work. If that is something that is a, a challenge for people, um, some of it is helping with video interview skills. Some of it is helping um, with some of the, the places where there are hump companies hiring right now and in the future. So um, take advantage of that while you can uh, as well. And the last thing is that one of our other supporters, Jazz HR, um, is also, um, they have during this time period, their platform, which is an applicant tracking system, is um, having that available for free to anybody in the kind of first responder group. So healthcare and some of the other um, um, some of the other uh, essential services groups. So take a look at their information and take advantage of that if you are one of those groups that is really trying to hire very quickly. And, and we know that there's a lot of them out there doing that right now. Um, so with those things out of the way um, at the start, um, it is uh, this is really cool for me because I, I know the, the guest pretty well. Um, Phil Buckley is, um, I'd actually say, is a change management um, rock star. He knows this inside and out. Um, he has over 25 years um, enabling and helping kind of leaders move through some of these processes on large transformations. Um, and in Canada, the US, the UK, and just to give you an idea of scope, um, he co-led the global um, change and this was a 19.6 billion dollar kind of investment for Kraft Foods when they acquired Cadbury and he was kind of co-lead on that and and also to show you scope that that change itself had a team of 40 change leaders in 60 different countries. So, so this isn't just talking about small changes. He has done those, but he's also done massive things. He's the author of Change with Confidence, and I happen to actually have his book here, so he probably didn't know I had that here. But, um, but uh, if you haven't read that, you should. Um, and uh, his work has been featured in Forbes, Business Week, Globe and Mail. He's an engaging public speaker. I've had him speak at events before, and people absolutely love him from that perspective as well. Um, and he's somebody that I've personally looked up to, um, especially in the change space for a long time. So um, Phil, great to see you again. And, uh, and thanks for coming on the show. Amy, it's great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. 
Oh, no problem. Um, it, so it's, it's been a little bit and we're going through some kind of weird stuff right now. And that's why I thought um, not only can we talk about, you know, how to go through regular kind of change in, within organizations. Um, this is a bit of an unprecedented time. Um, I know that word gets used a lot right now, but, um, but for employees and individuals, what are, what are you seeing out there right now when there's, there's kind of, there's almost waves of change happening. You might have one thing that you've planned for and literally the next day it changes again. And, and um, you know, what are you seeing out there? And, and what are what are you kind of thinking of of how do you move through that process? Yes, what I'm seeing is that people are are off balance, and what what is so unique about what we're going through now is everyone's going through it. They have different circumstances, both from a, a family personal standpoint and from a business standpoint. And wherever they were at, you know, eight weeks ago, everything has been shaken so that nothing is stable. And and one of the challenges is that everyone's going through their own sort of roller coaster of emotions. So there doesn't seem to be a lot of consistency. So in a way, everyone's in the same boat, but everyone is going through a different experience about what that is and, and how to manage it. I, and I guess that brings me to the next piece is there are a lot of leaders out there who are probably um, stumbling a bit on this because they may be, you know, this wasn't something that anybody anticipated. And um, uh, in the short term, what are what are some of the tactics that you've seen work or, or how do you approach that if you're one of those leaders that just hasn't had to manage something like this before? Absolutely. And, and I don't think any leader has had to manage something like this. And, and there, I don't think has as the saying goes, there is a playbook on how to manage this because yeah. there's so many unknowns for everyone and, and leaders are doing the best that they can. And some are stumbling and, and some are doing tremendous things for their employees. And I find the ones that are, are stumbling perhaps a little bit more, uh, perhaps they haven't actually managed their own change. And if you can imagine sort of yeah. leaders' expectations of what they need to do, they need to sort of lead the ship and they're the ones that are supposed to have it all together, uh, but then they're going through it and they're going through all the fears that we all are going through. And, and one thing I've realized in, in change is that everyone is scared. Some people are, are better actors than others. People that have more experience perhaps hide their own insecurities, but I think you have to be empathetic for the leader who is worried about their family and is worried about how they're gonna go forward when they don't have the answers. So the ones that are doing it best, I think that can really help people are transparent, they're, they're actually humble, um, they're sharing some of their uh, pieces of knowledge they don't have yet, but then they can still be confident that we'll figure it out as we move ahead. It's it's interesting that you talked about the transparency piece a little bit, and I do see this even in clients that I've talked with. That um, it's almost forcing transparency a little bit. And and we were talking about how um, you know we're doing this interview through a Zoom call, and um, I think uh, a lot of leaders this is their day is doing Zoom call to Zoom call, whereas before they were face to face. But that also means that there's a, a bit of a window into their own kind of lives and and things like that. It's forcing a little bit more transparency than we might have had before. Absolutely. And, and I think the leaders that um, are human about what they're going through and what they're trying to do and, and from what I've seen in, in any large change is that the leader that almost isn't perfect, that is trying his or her best and but stumbles a bit themselves almost gives permission for others to do the same. So it could be the cat that walks by in the Zoom call and or the yeah. kids running out and uh, and laughing at it or 
um, you know, not having the mic on and, and they're trying to get that fixed before they're, they're giving a pronouncement of how we've got this covered. But that humanity of, of, of self-realization and self-awareness, I think, gives people that permission to say, hey, I don't have to be perfect as, a, as well. Yeah, and, and for, um, for that leader it, it, with their employees, because um, that's sometimes the most difficult thing for, for leaders to manage with their employees as well, is to give them that permission or give them, or for them to have that trust in the leader that it's okay to be able to be a little more vulnerable. And um, are, are there things that you see working, you know, to, to help draw that out and to create that environment, especially when you're in a virtual environment like this? Yes, I think it, it begins with expectations too. And, and again, given our situation now, what comes next? What's appropriate? What's not appropriate? And the leader that does say, hey, we don't have it figured out yet, but this is our best view of, of how we're going to go forward. And here are our expectations of ourselves and how the next while will be. I, I think then, it, and also if you can get people into a conversation about what that means for them, it does build the trust and and again it doesn't have to be perfect but people are wondering how is this going to affect me what do you know what do you don't know and, and again without sufficient information there is a tendency to go to the dark side of the moon and have yeah. your biggest fear and my pay is going to be cut and you know I, I just don't know if i'll be here and all those fears that we can conjure up when we don't have a lot of information and and what leaders can do to build the trust is to say this is how we're going to go forward. We don't have all the answers, but here's how we're going to make decisions. We're not going to forget our mission or our purpose. We're not going to miss our values of, of how we're going to decide. And there'll be some tough decisions that we may have to make, but we'll make them through the lens of our values so that we will be true to our culture regardless of what we do. And, and some leaders that I've spoken with who didn't make that touchstone to the values and sort of that, that culture that we've, we've built ourselves over the years um, have perhaps made decisions that weren't aligned with the principles that they hold dear. And then that's where you have the betrayal of the trust. Well, if you really said that we were gonna be authentic and we were gonna value the customer or people first, yeah. then something like this, um, that disconnect and that disharmony leads to distrust and that it also leads to suspicion of anything else that comes out of the leader's mouth. Yeah, and, and it's interesting when you talk about how, you know, having that touchstone at the front makes the tough decisions, you know, uh, not easier, but more explainable and, and connectable to the employees. I, I guess that's the one thing that um, I just wonder about when there, there may be some very tough decisions that people are making right now. Um, and, uh, you know, what there's there's a bit of a fine line about kind of keeping people engaged and energized about what the mission is, but also the reality of the situation. How do you, like, what would you say to a leader that's, that's trying to, to, to kind of juggle both of those things at the same time about kind of keeping people energized and engaged at the same time as, you know, there's the, the reality is there may be some tough, difficult messages that really impact people. Absolutely. And I, I think it comes back down, Jamie, too giving expectations of, of how we're going to be operating given there could be these tough decisions that we'll make um, and answering questions as honestly as you can meaning you know people will want specifics and you can't honestly give specifics if you don't know what they are but you can actually 
talk about what you've been looking at, you know, going forward. So an example would be, mm -hmm. will we ever have a pay cut or will there, will we ever people be put on furlough going forward? And, and, you know, you might not be able to say yes or no right now, but what you can say is that we're looking at all possibilities so that we can keep together as a business or a not-for-profit. We have to look at everything. That would be our last resort. However, if it does happen, we will be managing with dignity and respect. And, and I think that's as honest as you could be. Some leaders will say, no, of course we wouldn't, you know, uh, yeah. and then, you know, six weeks down the road, and, and this is your area of, of HR leadership, uh, they actually, actually go back on that. And what does that mean? Loss of compassion, loss of sincerity, and, and extreme distrust. So being as transparent as you can, and talking more about process instead of outcomes, if you don't know what those outcomes are, is the way to do it. And, and another thing I would suggest is, there is that pressure on the leader to have it all figured out or the leadership team or the not-for-profit board. Yeah. Uh, and I think that can put them into a space of going away, you know, being in a dark you know, Zoom room, <laughs> to figure it all out. And yeah. then saying, we've got it. And, and I've made mistakes like that before. And it's disastrous because Absolutely. you're not including your stakeholders. And if you want to give people a feeling of personal meaning and contribution, which is the number one, I think, need that people have right now that will help their to subside their fears is to get their input, ask their views, what are our options? And there's one great example of a company uh, that was forced with um, foreclosure in eight weeks. And um, what they did is they put all their cards on the table to their employees, fairly small organization, so easier to do, but to 30 people and said, this is the reality. Yeah. How would you approach it? eight weeks to go if we don't make any cuts. And, and what they did is, or what people came back with is saying, it was better to reduce salaries of everyone than to let anyone go. And then given the, uh, the financial projections, that these would be areas where we could cut and then we could actually extend our, our runway before the economy picks up again. Yeah. And then what they did again, they thought, okay, this is really working. And people were engaged, they were energized, they were present. And also in, when you're in that state, you're not as fearful as what's going to happen to me. I'm, I'm orchestrating this with the whole team. Yeah. Instead of saying, well, let's just do a 30% uh, reduction in, in pay for everyone. They realized, you know, using full empathy and compassion is everyone had a different uh, family situation about mm -hmm. what they needed. So they did a, almost like a pay what you can, if you could make the analogy of going wow. to a concert and to pay what they can and said, well, we'd like to go back to you and say, what could you afford? What cut could you afford? And when they did that, they found out that they, people actually gave in their, their, uh, their recommendations. Some were quite extreme and yep. then others were quite light, uh, that they've got an 18 month runway. Um, and they co-created the solution. Wow. And, and can you imagine if it was something you gave the input of 50%, for example, the, the number adds up to what you need it to be. Yep. And then you look at your paycheck and said, I recommended that you have a fully, completely different state of engagement, support. Yeah. Uh, well, and your perception comes from that standpoint rather than people doing it to me. I was involved in making this decision in a connected way. Absolutely. And I wow. find with employees, and, and you might have seen this as well, 
is that whenever you're going through a, a big change, what truth or what reality is, and everyone has their own truth and reality, is what people say to their loved ones over the kitchen table. And you can only imagine in that scenario to say, just like you did, Jamie, hey, I did this, I said this, we'll be okay. And then moving forward and, and trying to, you know, be the best that you can be. Yeah. Wow. That's fantastic. So now, now one of the other things, Phil, is that whenever you go through a big change like this, whether it's, it's one like we're having now, but also just a, a, a large change, it's always the communication that people, like if they fail, it's communication. If it does well, it's communication. And, um, you know, one thing that you do hear about is, is, is over communication. Is there, can you over communicate, I guess would be one question. And then the other one is, is, you know, what, what is the fine line and uh, about how you, um, your cadence around communicating for, for something that's as large as this. Yes. And, and it, it does come up, you know, don't over communicate or you can right. never over communicate to answer the question though. I think it's going back to the empathy of everyone's going through, everyone has their own need of, of how much communication they require. And, and in yeah. these strained, you know, troubled, challenging times of uncertainty, there's a greater need for communication. My suggestion and, and from my experience is you can never over communicate until people start saying, stop communicating. And <laughs> you just say, oh, enough already. I, I yeah. just want <laughs> you to communicate. I, I, my, my, my life is over if you do. But you don't know because if you, if you put your own perspective over it, it could be too much and too little. And, and again, it, it's signposting for people how things are going to go forward. And leaders that I think have done it really well have said, we're gonna communicate an awful lot to you because we know that you wanna have the latest information and we wanna be the source of truth. So you're not getting you know, the information versus rumor or you know, whatever, yeah. but you know, we're the source of truth. So we are gonna communicate a lot. This is what it means to you. Every day we're going to you know, send out a, a, an update or we'll have a quick Zoom call or whatever. And even if there's nothing to communicate, we're still gonna communicate that there's nothing that we know that's new and we'll provide you know a question and answer so that you can have any new questions answered and then if there it does get to the point that that's too much then we'll go to a week so you you make sure that there's so much communication people are saying that's enough and if you invite people in to say let me know how much it is but also get let them have a taste of it too because you can say well how much is it now but you don't know until you actually go through it. And when people say enough already, what some teams have done that I've loved is, you know, they yeah. started off with saying, okay, we'll have two times a week meetings. And uh, people are saying, you know what, that's too much. I just need to do my work. Okay, well then should we just have it on Monday? It's the same concept of, of giving a lot and then paring it down to what's just right. And that's yeah. always better than saying, I, I don't know what they're doing. And again, with, with a vacuum, people will fill it with their own worries or other speculations. So I'd rather sort of control the message with truthful information than not. So uh, to your question, I would over communicate, but tell people you're communicating this way because of their needs and then bring them in to pair it back. Right. And it also allows you to kind of build in the consistency of certain messages if you want as well. So they're Definitely. seeing the same message a number of times if it's a value statement, if it's things that are the, the touch points, then, you know, you're, you're putting that touch point in over and over again until it becomes kind of second nature too. Absolutely. And that one of the touch points that I think is so essential is, is 
finding or you know sharing value of those that um, are part of your team yeah. and that you know you, you can never I think be praised too much in the sense of the work that you're doing and by having this you know high level of communication you can say well Raj did this and I don't know if everyone was aware of it but Raj you know it was incredible how you supported the customer given the confines that we have in our environment or you know Joanne you reached out to a volunteer from our not for you know and she was struggling but you took a little bit of extra time to listen and just listen to what she was going through you can reinforce some cultural messages of what's important from a behavior standpoint but you can also praise people for the good work they do yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, that's the piece that's missing a lot of the time is it's not just a project update. It's a, uh, it's an update on on how people's behaviors have been, you know, uh, helping the cause during that time period and to, to recognize and give some gratitude over over that additional work, especially right now, it's probably that much more important. So um, uh, one thing that's changed a lot in, I mean, we both have been doing kind of uh, um, HR kind of change work for a long time now. Um, a while ago, data wasn't as important. Well, it's not that it wasn't as important. It wasn't as readily available as it is now. Um, how has that changed how people either look at a change or how you can use data to be able to kind of help manage the change process? What have, what have you been seeing there? Yes, I've, I've been seeing uh, data really having a, a greater importance One from an, an interest point of view, and I'm not sure if you went through this, but I was clicking on every tracker you could yeah. imagine. <laughs> oh my goodness, it's going yeah. up. And yeah. Here and here, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's look at the other chart. Yeah. So in an absence of, of knowing what the future will be, there is a certain comfort and confidence in getting in that hard, tangible data so I think that's that's positive in the sense of you know what data do we need to get and uh, what does the data that we have tell us about how we move forward and it it helps us build a foundation of where we're at now and and perhaps where we need to to go. So I think that's the positive side of the coin. The negative side of the coin is taking any data that you've got and making assumptions on what that data suggests and whether it's you know. Averages, or you know, what you know, what does the curve look like, or how is the economy happening? You know, transforming now. Um, I think without sort of an understanding of what little we have, it can lead you to a false confidence that you can predict the future. So, a, a healthy understanding that it's insufficient, but the reliance on getting whatever data that you have that can help you move forward. Good and and. Right now, one, so when people are in a, a state of kind of fear in many ways, um, and at a time where organizations are probably having to be more innovative, more creative than they have in normal operations, um, the first thing to go oftentimes when everybody is afraid is being more creative and being more innovative. You want to fall back to what, am I, what are the easiest, most simplistic ways to get through the day. So um, are, there, are there tactics, like if you were a leader right now trying to figure out how do, I, how do I make sure that we can foster an environment, whether it's virtually or not, that people can feel creative and be innovative um, considering all this other stuff? Are there things that you've seen work or, or what would you suggest? Yes, and, and I would say you raise a great point about the challenge of being innovative and creative when we're afraid. And, and from my experience, I haven't seen people 
do very well from, in an innovation standpoint when they're desperate. It, it's just a different yep. part of the brain you're tracking. Okay, all of a sudden, be creative, come up with something quickly now. Uh, it's really a fear-based, you know, quick solution of existing possibilities and, and hoping that it works. But what you can do is I think you can reframe the situation that you're in. And some brilliant leaders have been able to get people out of part of at least, or at least for a short term, get people out of their state of fear and holding back and, and sort of almost compressing into themselves and be a little bit more open to what the possibilities are. Um, one way is, is actually to uh, focus on the people that you serve instead of your own personal situation. Let's yeah. take an up for profit. Okay, now how can we get people, our volunteers engaged in creative ways because you know by them re-engaging right now, we can best support our mission, um, but it's all about the volunteers. So you've taken you know, that personal perspective and you've diminished it to sort of a, a more important thing that's external to you. Uh, gamification has worked really well. Ah. Hey, if this was a game, how would we do this? And if this is the big kahuna, and then we're the surfers that have been waiting for this, or this is our chance to shine. Um, I've seen teams actually get into it, and just like a video game or, or a Monopoly game, whatever, you can lose yourself and become very present within your current surroundings, which is about the game. Can you crack the code? Can you build the puzzle? Uh, that can be really helpful. Another one that's been great that I think we've done a really good job as a society is sort of the, the hero positioning of all the healthcare workers and yeah. our you know, first responders and, and all the people that are, are supporting us through uh, social services. And you know, the, you are the hero. Uh, and the, the hero kind of archetype or the hero persona is all about cha taking challenges and doing new things and becoming creative. Um, so I think if, if you can actually see yourself as a hero, it's amazing what you can do that you might not do when you were afraid. So it is really the projection of, of what you're trying to do. And for small time, amounts of time, I think you can be very creative and very innovative. Wow, very cool. And, and um, extending that one, one other step, there's a lot of um, people that are having to virtually manage um, that aren't used to it. I mean, uh, you know, you've, you've done kind of distributed teams worldwide before, um, but, um, but some organizations have been used to all being in the same building and not having to, to do things through kind of virtual meetings or remote meetings. Um, any tactics that you would say uh, might, be, might be ways to be able to kind of push that forward? What are some th key things that they should be thinking of when they have a team that's suddenly dispersed and uh, um, how to kind of keep them on, on track with goals and, and items that you need to move forward? The first thing I'd recommend is really acknowledging that it's a very new circumstance. So trying to manage through Zoom as you would in the office is not going to work very well. And it, yeah. it comes back to some of the key themes of engagement of how do we create our new ways of working. One, uh, one person in, in finance, one leader I was speaking with, and the first thing that he said was, well, you know, I, I've I booked a meeting at nine o'clock every day because I want to make sure people are up and dressed and working. And I thought, <laughs> my goodness, <laughs> what, a way, what a way not to engage your team and not have trust in your team so they won't have trust in you. And yeah. it's like an acknowledgement that it is very different. And, you know, from a leader's perspective, do you trust your people to be their best? And, or do you think that 
you have to look at make sure that they're in their desk that they're actually working yeah. and, and it is that flexibility of, of, of realizing that people are on their their own um, what I think of engagement and connection is is so important for leaders and their teams right now um, so that they are checking in that you know people don't feel like they're on their own island and they haven't spoken with anyone for a day or so. And, um, and, and I think there is that, there's always that empathetic, you know, compassionate checking in to see how you're doing that makes it great. But one thing, Jamie, that you mentioned, that I think is absolutely essential to managing well in, in a virtual environment is really having goals and, and sort of um, objectives set and then yeah. how we're gonna manage forward. Because the leaders, role is, is, is sort of twofold. One is to make sure your team is whole and safe and secure and in the right state and feeling engaged and being their best. But then the other accountability is that you are actually achieving the objectives that you've been set to do. So you need to be productive. We need to, as a team to accomplish our goals, whatever they might be now in our new reality. And I think it is that, that balance of of helping people to give them structure, to give them something to go after, uh, to give them milestone, little baby milestones to say, hey, we did achieve this piece of work by Friday as yeah. we set out to do. Congratulations and giving that sense of meaning. So you do need a bit of rigor, I would suggest, structure, normalcy within an, an unnormal uh, environment. Yeah, it's that, um, you know, having having enough that there's a, a touch point at home, I guess, that, you know, the people who you talk to that are, are managing it relatively well have figured out at least some kind of structure to their day so that, you know, it doesn't feel like it's just kind of wheeling along. Like instead, there's, if they have some goals and some, it doesn't matter if they change how they accomplish those things, but, um, um, but it's really having some outcomes that they're kind of still targeted to and people want that and crave to have something to work to. I mean, I, th I think that a lot of times leaders assume that, uh, assume the worst and that people aren't working while they're at home. And, and I think a lot of studies before this happened showed that that's not the case and that they're uh, many are actually more productive in this environment than they would have been sitting in the office at the same time too so so it's being able to harness that i guess as well um, absolutely so uh, the the thing we ask every guest is that uh, and and yours will be tweaked a little bit because i i think it really will be especially for um leaders that are struggling a bit right now um or leaders that are just trying to think how do i up my game um is that if if you were to say kind of two to three things that they should, they should do if they're trying to, um, you know, be able to, to come out of this at the end with a, a more kind of positive reflection of them from a leadership standpoint with their people. What are two to three things that, that you would just recommend they should go out and, and uh, action right away? First off, I would be uh, checking in with your team and being uh, empathetic for their situation. Not just a quick, how are you doing? How's it going? you know, let's go around the table, but to take time, ask, and to actually listen in the moment. A lot of leaders I find, they might ask the question, but they're not around for the answer. So really go where your people are and have a, a fine-tuned understanding about what challenges that they have and how you can help. Uh, the second one is, is to give people meaningful work. It's so easy just to say, keep doing what you're doing, but people need meaning to hold on to in times of these like uncertainty. So give them something relevant to do and then follow up. And then the last thing I would say 
is to acknowledge the work that they do once they have accomplished it. So you have meaning, you have reward, and you feel that you're, you're cared for on a personal level by your manager or your boss. And if you do those three things, you'll hold people together uh, so that they can get to the other side and move forward and be the best version of themselves. That's awesome. Well, th again, thanks very much, Phil. This has been, this has been great. You've uh, given some great information. Um, if people want to connect with your work or um, be able to connect with you, what, what are the best ways to do that? Yes, my website is changewithconfidence.com. And if you want to send me a personal note, phil at changewithconfidence.com. I'd, I'd love to chat and uh, see how you're doing. Yeah, and, and make sure that you pick up uh, Phil's book when you can. Um, I understand that the, you may have something coming out in the next little while too or in the, the spring of next year, so we'll, we'll watch for that. Um, I don't know if you can give any detail here, but uh, I guess it's just more it's on its way, I guess. It's on its way, and it's uh, intended for all of ourselves who are going through something like this. So awesome. thank you, Jamie. It's great to be on your show. Appreciate it. And I wish you all the best, as well as your viewers, as you move forward and being your best through change. All right. Thanks so much, Phil. And everybody, if you haven't subscribed already, go in there, subscribe. We've got great guests every week. Um, you'll be able to take away lots. And uh, we'll see uh, people again next time on Big Idea, Big Moves.